Guys, as always, I'm so excited about this latest episode. Uh, the woman we're going to be talking to today, I, I almost don't want to use the word woman. She's sort of like a superhero. <laughs> um, small but mighty, this amazing woman. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting her and being able to see her at work. And, you know, I always want to bring to all of you people that are inspirational, people that have faced their own sets of challenges. That's why we call it bare skin. It's sort of just really revealing what's under the hood, because I think all of us have faced challenges and opportunities. So I love that Lisa, Lisa Masterson that I'll be introducing you today is a board certified OBGYN. She has a private practice in Santa Monica. So, the, so the, those of you in Southern California, I can't wait for you get, to get to know her and her practice, but more importantly, her day spa. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but she specializes in obstetrics, gynecology, and fertility. She's best recognized at, in her role as the Emmy-nominated co-host of the Emmy-winning syndicated daytime medical talk show, The Doctors. Um, she also has a popular weekly lifestyle podcast that you should all tune into called Health and Heals with Dr. Lisa. It's available on iTunes and healthandhealswithdrlisa.com. But I love that today we'll talk not only about her goal to really further a complete look at women's health, because I think as an OBGYN and part of what she'll share today and what we talk about all the time on the show is really about the whole of us and how we treat the whole of us as women. And I think between what she does with her Ocean Oasis Day Spa, what she does with her practice, which really is a contemporary practice and that it looks at the whole woman, not just her particular OBGYN focus, but really looking at everything that has to do with health, wellness, exercise, nutrition, and every phase of, of a woman's life. And that's really what you want is someone to take the journey with you. And I think that's what she's done uniquely in her practice and in her work uh, with philanthropy, which we'll talk about today. I also want to tap on, we'll talk about Go Figure. It's a workbook for young girls. And I know so many of you have talked to me about your teens and for some of you, your grandchildren and, and young people that follow us, you know, what's really happening with the feeling of adolescent sexuality, a lot of the pressure that kids are under today. And I think as parents, she could be a great resource in helping and what she's doing with her seminars on this type of topic as well. So we have a lot to cover. Can't wait to get started. So Dr. Mm -hmm. Masterson, welcome. I'm so glad that you're with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Celeste. I am thrilled, just so thrilled, because you know I adore your products. Oh my God, they have made the best change in my life and my face and everything. So, you know, I'm just, and I'm just thrilled to, to be here and talk to you. And you're just so fantastic. I just think you're great. Well, the feeling is completely mutual. You know, one of the things people always ask me is the story behind the woman, you know? So when I look at that, did you always know that you wanted to go into the medical field? You know, what was it that sort of propelled you to want to do what you're doing today? Well, I wish it was a little bit more um, altruistic and wonderful. No, I did not always know that I wanted to be um, in the medical field. I fell into it happily. You know, it's one of those fate things. Um, my mother, who is my superhero and, and who I was lucky to have a mentor, but she had, um, my brother and I are 13 years apart. And so she had him when she got married again. 
And I ended up having to, and she's a dynamo, just a working woman. So basically she had him and then handed to him for me for the summer. And she planned all that and said, here, take care of your brother while I go back to work. And oh my gosh, that was the worst summer of my life. And, um, and although I love my, my brother dearly, um, it was just hard on a 13 year old, you know, to do that type of thing. And, um, so I vowed that summer that I was never going to do it the next summer. So I, I, my mother said, well, if you, you know, are doing something that's for the community and for good, then, um, then, you know, I will figure out how to do it. And I said, well, I want to go help in a hospital. So I went to um, volunteer. They used, they used to call them candy stripers. I don't know if they were really called. I was one of those. Stripers. I know. Yep. Exactly. I loved it. So I we lived in San Diego. So I volunteered as a candy striper at Scripps Memorial Hospital. And, um, and I just loved it. I absolutely, it just was an eye opener to the point where I asked the, um, the, the people who were running the um, candy stripers if I could actually candy stripe in the emergency room and they're like we don't have candy stripers in the emergency room <laughs> you know candy like, stripe I could be a pioneer I could be the first <laughs> exactly because they usually just kind of go around and help the nurses and things like that and um so I just was really adamant about it. so they actually did that for me and I became the first junior volunteer to actually work in the emergency room there and I stayed there with the shifts and I you know saw them do all kinds of emergency stuff and then I was just like mom that's what I want to do I want to be a doctor so that's how I fell into medicine it was to get away from my brother (laughs) (laughs) and so so now he Dr. Master he can take credit for all your success now right because he pushed you that direction (laughs) but you know I think that that's such an amazing thing because I think especially for you being at that age sort of knowing that's what you wanted to do and so when I look at that how is that how is that experience sort of shaped as you go in and you look at what you're doing today, because it seems like it has a theme, you know, where you you see everything everyone's doing for trauma and an emergency, and then you know, still today you're saving people in, but in kind of different ways, right? When you look at the whole person. So when you look at that journey, especially being a woman, um, mm-hmm. you know, what has that journey been like? Because you know, you've been able to reach. You not only have your practice, but you've been able to be on television you know, be able to be selected to sort of be a host out there representing a lot of people in the medical field, but you uniquely were selected for that. So when you think about it, you know, what has it been that you've had to do to sort of break those barriers, sort of go out and make those things happen for yourself? Well, I have to say um, a lot has been, a lot has been work, but, you know, we also have to, you know, just say fate, God, whatever, um, that's also gone into that. I feel like I have been very blessed and very lucky with just opportunities that have, um, that have come my way. You know, I, I, I have worked for every inch. My mother, who, again, um, I will give her so much credit, all the credit for everything I am. Um, but she said, you know, especially being um, a Black woman, um, you know, that I would have to do 110% um, to, to get where, where I needed to be, not, you know, not a hundred, but 150 or whatever. And, um, so, you know, I, I've always just tried to really, you know, make sure that I was 
you know, better than best to get to, to um, everything, but it's been, you know, difficult because obviously there's always been, you know, not only the um, sexist things that you have to deal with, um, especially in like a male dominated field, you know, um, luckily OBGYN has actually switched more to mostly predominantly female. So that's actually been, um, been better, but as, as going up and in the people in charge, there's still been mostly male. Um, so the sexist, but then also the, the racist things that you encounter as well. So it's always been a battle. Nothing's ever been, nothing's ever been easy, I would say in the way, but, but definitely I have been blessed with things like I, I didn't, um, you know, I, I, I went for an interview for the doctors and, and just got it. <laughs> I would like to say that I did a lot to do it, but, yeah, but I just, you, but here's the thing you went for the interview, right? Yeah. So I think, I think to your point, you know, the reason I want to make that point, even though it's subtle is that, you know, when people look at success like yours, um, a lot of people think things happened and doors opened and it was just easy, you know, and that their situation isn't like yours. And I think, um, myself having been, you know, a top female in the, in the tech world at a time where women weren't there, I can tell you that it looks easy once you're there, <laughs> but getting there was hard. And I think it's an important message for everyone who's thinking about stepping out because, um, with, you know, with this post pandemic piece, there's so many people mm -hmm. changing roles and looking at new careers or evolving in their career right. and, and maybe afraid and feel stuck that they don't have that. So that's why I asked, you know, how do you get that motivation and sort of what motivates you, for example, when you do face or have faced sexism or racism, you know, what is it that, you know, what is it that kept you persevering through that? And what, what are your tips for people that maybe face that? Well, I think you have to really believe in what you, who you are. You have to, you know, your self-confidence and, and I, and, you know, my, my mother did a really good job. <laughs> um, and, you know, having confidence in yourself, loving yourself, loving who you are. And, um, and also, you know, really loving what you do. You know, if, I, I didn't know I was going to become, you know, an OBGYN. A lot of people ask, how did you, how did you know that, that you know, that feeling? I said, well, the field actually chose me. Um, I'll never forget, you know, when I, fell in love, so to speak, with being a, an OBGYN was we used to be hired. I went to uh, USC, LA County, USC, and we used to be hired in the medical school to go over to the OBGYN um, labor and delivery and to catch babies. We were baby catchers, hired guns, they called us. And I, you know, and that's back when, when USC used to deliver like, oh my gosh, we used to deliver just like 50 babies in a day or more. I mean, just a huge numbers where you were just constantly going. And it was like five or six o'clock in the morning. And I was in the alone in the back with this, you know, woman um, and delivering her baby. And she was completely out. And all of a sudden it was like, I was that, you know, like the, the Grinch whose heart grew like five times in, in, in that instant. And like the room just lit up. It was just like, you know, I'd been going straight until like five or six o'clock in the morning and I was just energized. And that's when I knew it was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, this is it. I'm done. That's who I am. And then you just have to fight for you and where you want to go and what you want to do and who you want to be and um, and just just keep going and and surround yourself with a lot of supportive people. Um, and that's really, really what's important. My mother was hugely supportive of me as, as my husband. 
And um, it's just been, you know, I think that's, I really have to give them a lot of credit because there's a lot of times where you're like, oh no, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> but I think that's the important part. You know, my daughter just graduated from college this past weekend and, you know, I was sharing with her, you know, there's a lot, especially now, and you know, cause you work with so many younger women and teens, um, but they always, now they like to use the phrase, you know, imposter syndrome, where I don't feel like I'm really worthy of where I am. And, you know, I shared with her, it's all about surrounding yourself with people that support you, lift you up, right? Mm -hmm. it still takes yeah, yes. to do what you have to do. So I'm glad that you had that system. But, you know, I, I always wonder, you know, when you think about women's health, so you were in the OBGYN piece, but what really drove you, what did you see as the needs for women? And, and when you look at how your practice has evolved um, and you're thinking about caring for the full woman, um, you know, what is it, what does that look like today? And what should the people listening think about when they look for someone to really help guide them through their health journey? Because I hear so many women say, I have all these issues and I go to a physician who doesn't understand or dismisses my issues or doesn't think they're important or thinks they're in my head, you know, and, um, and so many of us get that. So, so what's made you evolve that unique set of services that you offer and also, you know, how do you encourage us to, to really find that right connection with someone who looks at the whole person? Right. Now, I, th I found just from listening to my patients, and that's what's huge, is, is just to listen to what people have to say. And what I found from my, my patients, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the, the Go Figure book, was, was like with my teens, the ones who weren't getting pregnant or getting STDs, had a lot of self-confidence. The ones that really knew themselves, loved themselves, and, um, and then and, and were well-informed. That's also why I, I, I um, taught sex education or, or health education at, at my son's school um, when he was there for the girls, because I thought it was really important to get that early from somebody who knew and also to get it in a digestible way. But then also listening to my patients and realizing it, it's not just about trying to find a disease, but it's about trying to have a healthy, happy life. That goes into where you are mentally, where you are in a relationship, because, because I'm a gynecologist and I do deal with the pelvis and um, sexuality, you know, how, how your sexual relationship actually affects your confidence and you and how depression can actually manifest itself in being overweight or underweight. And so it, it, that, that there's these, these issues are all intertwined. So you can't just be about looking for diseases. You have to also help a person be just, you know, healthy and happy, which is really, really important. And that takes um, taking care of the inside of you as well as the outside of you, because how, how many of us feel like a different person when we go get a blowout? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, know? you all yes. of a sudden walk different, you feel different, you just, you know, so also about how you feel. If you have really bad acne, that's also going to make you feel not good about yourself and, and have a whole slew of other things that happen. And so I realized how a lot of things were connected to disease issues and also to mental issues and that you can't just look at, at you know, one thing. You have to really help people address many different things. And that's, you know, that's when I started to look at that. That's why I was like, I want to, I want to try and help women look, you know, the, the best that they can, because it also makes them feel better. It makes them ha have better relationships that I interact better with my husband after I get my hair done. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, 
it's it's all it's you know it's it, there's just different levels of of you know how these things connect and when i when i saw that that's when i started implementing all these other things and again it was continually listening to my patients that's why I, I made an underwear, you know, a butterfly panty it was because my, when the thongs got all big, all my patients kept getting yeast infections. So yeah. listening to patients is really what fuels me into providing for them. So when you talk about, let's go back for a minute, you know, when you were talking a little bit about uh, go figure. So whether you're younger, you're older, I mean, what are some of the tips you might give people when we talk about building self-esteem, you know, and where, where do we pull from in our resources to sort of, you know, when you talk about the difference between someone that, had, that has that self-esteem and doesn't, are there things that people can practice or put into play to sort of build their positive image of themselves? Finding out who you are, I think, is, is really the most important thing. Really taking the time to, um, to, to, to find out who you are, what you want to do, what's important to you. Um, you know, finding, having mentors, other people that are around you who are living the lives that you want to live or who, or who are being the kind of person that you want to be, that you want to be. And, and then looking at yourself and knowing you, you can be that or that or, 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 or even more. And it just, it's really about loving yourself. And I think that's, what's the, the most important, um, trying to get negativity out and positivity in. And, um, you know, I think, that's really the most important thing. It is, it is, I think the support system is huge. And I would say, you know, if you negative people around you, try and, you know, get them out as much as you can or, or silence them. But um, it's really about just saying, hey, I am worth it. I am, I, you know, I'm me, I love me. And that's really what it's about because in, in the end it, it is, it's your life. And you, you only get one as far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we're working on extending it as long as exactly. we can, we're making it yeah. last longer, which is fantastic. But you, you know, it's your life. It's your life. And I think once you embrace that and realize you need to get, how do you get the most out of that? I think it's really, really important. Look into you and, and look out, but, you know, don't let other people's, you know, impression or whatever reflect onto you. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I, I always my mom, one thing I can say that I always loved that she said to me was the lowest common denominator factor. And she was always like, you know, you, you will sink to the lowest common denominator of the people you surround yourself with. So always Absolutely. elevate to the highest because yes. you're going to sink to the lowest of that group. So make sure the lowest is really high. You know? And I remember I didn't quite understand that when I was younger, but, you know, through the years, I really have grown to appreciate it. And I definitely know that you want to surround yourself with people that you strive to be similar to or to, to aspire to the same thing. So I think that's great advice. You know, one thing you, we talked a little bit about the importance of or how people feel better when they look better. You know, you took a bold step. You know, you went out and you're not only doing what you're doing in your medical practice, but you truly took that to heart and you acted on opening your own set of a location where people can come in and really experience the services to feel better, to look better. I mean, what do you, there's, you know, there's so many options today. What do you think is different? You know, what do you strive for and how you deliver that to people? And more importantly, you know, what do you, what kind of oasis are you trying to create when I look at the name, you know, for someone to escape to? And last but not least in those questions, 
is there something that you think every woman should sort of do for themselves that can make the biggest difference? Oh, that's, 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 a, that's a big challenge. Um, well, I would say it's really trying to, to make you, you feel and look the, the best inside and out. So, um, you know, we, we provide not only IV nutrition therapy, because I think we, we sort of downplay how much we put into our bodies um, is important and how important vitamins are because they're not studied as much because there's not a lot of money behind them, but how important they actually go into all of our functions of our body. So they're really important. There may be issues in your bowel that may keep, you know, vitamins and other foods from absorption. So um, I think there's a lot of science there. And then, um, you know, other things that, that women may not ask about like incontinence. So I have things that help for vaginal incontinence and vaginal tightening. Um, you know, a lot of things that, that I think sometimes bring us down, be, you know, that change in our body, either from aging or from childbirth, people don't tell women what's going to happen to their body after that. So there, I agree. <laughs> and, you know, trying to help women get, you know, um, if either if they're, you know, getting back to their best, if there's been things that have um, cause them to have problems. So again, we do vaginal rejuvenation, um, also body contouring, hair loss, you know, because, well, you, you know, hair is very important to not only women, but men as well. And so trying to help them with PR, you know, platelet-rich plasma, which can be very helpful in um, growing hair back. And also mental things. So we also sort of, sort of the the mind soul connection. So we also do sound baths to help you relax, help you touch and get in touch with the inner you or a different plane um, to try and connect with yourself too. I think spirituality, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person is actually very important as well. Um, so we do sound baths, we do Reiki, yoga, um, which is, is, you know, also I think really, really important, um, you know, belief system, I think some is really important for people as well. But it's just really getting in touch with with the whole you. I, I mean, I think it's really that's trying to make yourself as healthy as possible. What I have been, which is funny, I have been always surprised at because I have a program. I've even taken to another a level where I started a, a program um, to try and help my patients who have medical problems from um, being overweight, like diabetes and hypertension. So a weight loss program. And um that's probably been the hardest for people to really um, hang on to and has required the most motivation. And we try and use tangibles like the remote monitoring things that people can use, you know, which was born out a lot about it, COVID and, you know, monitoring yeah. and, and telemedicine and things. Um, and so that really has evolved and with medical dashboards, you know, so that I can help monitor their stuff with them. But trying to get that, get them to do that consistently has been, been very, very tricky. It's that's where I've really found they've got to want to do it themselves. It's really got, really has to come from within um, before that change happens. To me, it's it's been very interesting. But it's really I'm trying to have everybody, you know, be able to lead the best life that they they can, and that's really, you know, kind of your oasis, a place where you can go and just really kind of, you know, rehydrate, rebirth, you know, sort of just become fresh. You know, and I think that's so important. And I'll, I'll just add one thing when you talked about weight loss, you know, I have a really close friend who lost over 200 pounds. And one thing that she shared with me was because that, that was a long journey because mm -hmm. when she first started, she would 
stay a little bit with something and then revert back because it was incredibly hard, right? Yes. Um, but one, it was a series of counseling that helped that process. Mm-hmm. But also one thing she shared with me that never, that I didn't really think about is she said, you know, Celeste, if you lose 15 pounds, everyone notices. Everyone says, oh my gosh, you look amazing. I lose 35 or 40 pounds at my weight and no one really notices. And so some, sometimes mm-hmm. that positive reinforcement along the way of, mm-hmm. other, of others acknowledging and seeing is the thing that's more challenging, right? Because to her point, I have to lose 50 or 60 pounds, which is a lot of work before someone really goes, wow, what are you doing, right? Right. And I think it really, it, it made me realize that I needed to be more sensitive to how she looked at it and the way that mm-hmm. she went through it and what she needed from her friends, you know, in terms of support and recognition for the job done and not so much how does she look in the mirror, but but wow, look at what you've done when you look at your scale and, and how your blood pressure's less and, you know, all that good stuff. Right. No, that's a good point that, that I think it does go beyond the numbers and just that you need, you need some sort of positivity and support besides just saying you got to this number, you got to that number, you know, I think, I think that's, that's really important because I've really found that the weight loss sort of fits into the quitting smoking or the quitting. It's got to really come from, I think within, but then I think the outside support is really important. I think it's both those. So I have a question. We get asked a lot here. So when we talk about IV, because you talk about doing the IV therapy and so forth, um, you know, we get a lot of questions sometimes where people will ask, well, is that safe? Um, you know, I know that we do that. Is that is that drastic? What does that help? So can you just take a minute and sort of share a little bit about, you know, what the benefits of IV are and why that's a good resource for us, especially in the kind of lifestyles we lead today? Right. Well, I think um, it is it is a science and it's sort of like how eating can be a science. And we don't really think about, you know, uh, you know, we need this vegetables or nutrients from this vegetables and all those things go into the, you know, in the processes that that continually, you know, support our cells and the turnover and, and our body and our energy. And it it is it's safe if you do it. It needs to be under, you know, like a doctor supervised or, or a very skilled nurse, you know, um, technician, because definitely the combinations of the different things are so many, they've gotten really sophisticated. There's so many different things that you can actually add to them um, that can, uh, you know, have different benefits. Like, you know, about glutathione, which can, you know, a powerful antioxidant that can, you know, help with the skin and things like that and energy as well. Um, there's, you know, in the immune system, there are, you know, definitely zinc and vitamin C and those things, when you, you know, combine them with other things, they can be very powerful immune boosters. Actually in the prevention protocol, there's a ivermectin or a drug protocol for COVID prevention. There's a whole host of, besides the ivermectin, of a vitamin cocktail, not IV, but you can take by mouth, but a vitamin cocktail. Um, that includes zinc and high vitamin um, uh, C and there's another one, I can't remember what it was, but um, that, you know, really help scientifically, we know to boost the immune system. So you can get an IV that's sort of tailored to, you know, uh, boost the immune system, tailored to give you energy. Obviously, we know that there's different things like, um, uh, you know, amino acids and things like that that can give you energy 
and, you know, help you with um, sports and activities and things like that. So you can really tailor these IVs for things that you're, you know, your goals that you're trying to achieve, depending on which vitamins and additives you put in there. And that's where the science and sort of the medical skill comes in and weight loss. You can actually put in there for weight loss as well. Well, and that's why I was going to share that I think it's so important to not just say, oh, this is a good idea, but I think it sounds to me like it really benefits from having some diagnostics that understand, you know, some analysis of what's going to work for you. And I think that's why finding a good professional like yourself is so important because, you know, you don't want to just go to the the IV bar at the Las Vegas airport (laughs) (laughs) and, and like the old oxygen bars, you know, just to get your shot before you go. So I think that's super important. Well, thanks for taking a minute. So let's talk for a minute about, um, you know, when we talk about what we've done with young women and what you're doing with your Go Figure workbook and sort of helping with the development of self-esteem, you know, at the forefront of a lot of what you've done is also reached across the border, Um, you know, and I'd like to understand a little bit about your journey of, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, here's how I'm helping my local community, but you've actually reached across the border, more importantly, across continents, um, to really look at what you're doing with, you know, your sub-Saharan Africa work and the mobile mom squad that's across the border. You know, what are some of the things that propelled you to look at, and how'd you get involved in international efforts, not just what you're doing here? Well, it started out, you know, um, especially since I loved uh, delivering babies. And um, when I found out about, uh, the Millennium Development Goals that the WHO had established because the maternal, this was at the time in the maternal mortality rate in Sub-Saharan Africa and those and other regions were was extremely, extremely high. And they had the goals of trying to decrease it by a certain percentage by a certain date. And so, you know, I thought, well, you know, not, not having any limits on anything I do, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go and help and I'm going to throw my hat in there and, you know, um, so, and it, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, we were just greeted with such open arms in the countries that we went to. And we went to not only Africa, um, but also the Philippines and India. Um, and we set up a clinic in India. We set up clinics in Kenya. Um, we actually, which is just at closest to my heart probably is the, um, OBGYN residency program that we started in Eritrea. And which was, it was fantastic there because the people there had actually kicked out most of the NGOs and um, they let us stay. But the um, Minister of, of Health at the time said, I want you, because the, um, the, the, the Chinese government had just started a medical school there. And they said, I want you to start a, res- a residency program because we, we can't just have people you know, they wanted to fish. We can't just have people coming in and help us. We need to learn how to help our own people. And that was their real goal. And we spent a long time developing this protocol. And then we went there and we basically were locked in a room for about three days with um, other physicians from Ethiopia and from, um, oh, I forget, I think from the Sudan and, um, and another German NGO that was there. And the group of us, came up with their OBGYN residency program that they have today. And we actually have seen, um, you know, the first completed um, class that they've done. We watched, we were there for the graduation of the first of the first group. And, um, and it was fantastic. So, I mean, 
you know, it, it's been really wonderful to be able to go over there and help and, and, and um, really try and have those countries because they actually did reach their goal, you know, the goals of the percentage that they wanted to um, and, and, you know, be able to do that. I mean, that was just that it, it was it was a shared, wonderful experience. Well, I think when you say that, Dr. Masterson, you know, to think about having the opportunity to make an impact on the lives. I mean, you not only made an impact in saving lives of young unborn children, you know, but also the fact that now, like you said, you're actually creating a culture where they'll be self-sustaining at some point with their support, which is so amazing. So how did that change you or did it change you in any way um, or how you see the world? Well, you know, it actually, it, it, it was enlightening in so many ways, just, you know, not only seeing other cultures, but also how people deal with what they have. I mean, seeing their OR and, the, you know, like they didn't have air conditioning and the ventilations that we do, and they're working in this heat and, you know, that they would use just almost like a, a, a kitchen you know, smock while you're operating and have these lights. Like my son went with us at one time and he like held the light over us in the OR so that we could see when the lights went out. And, um, and, and you know, the suture, how much they, you know, like I'd come back and I would like save suture and my other colleagues would be like, wow, I didn't know you could get that low. You know, really, you know, how people, you know, work with what they have and how they make it, they figure out how to make it work instead of having little booties, you know, wearing the rain boots into the OR, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was just, it showed, you know, just the resiliency of people and the love of people. And, and I, I think that, that was probably what I, what I learned the most and how much you get when you give, you know, because you really do. It's like, and that we all need to reach out to one another and, and help one another any way we can. And because that's, this is truly what life is about. It's, it's rewarding in and of itself. You know, it's so funny you would say that because that's what I was going to share. I had an opportunity to help support someone who was, who was a plastic surgeon working with relief efforts. And it was amazing to see, to your point, their OR was literally a makeshift shed with, yeah. you know, and, and there was really not the standard cleanliness and the kinds of issues, you know, the nearest village was, you know, three hours away that had any medical facilities. So, you know, a lot of time, these are all doctors in the U.S. who volunteer their time and also volunteer all the supplies and all of that kind of thing. So you, you really are working with limited resources. But what's wild is to, to see how grateful the people are and how, I mean, there were tons of local civilians in the community coming in and pitching in, you know, whatever yeah. role they needed to have to make the surgeries work. And, and it was just so amazing to see. And for me, I was forever changed by gratitude because I think I didn't really appreciate what we have, you know, and how mm -hmm. blessed it's, we are yes. with all the resources and the most underserved in our populations are still better served than the average person there. You know, you just don't realize what, what people are going without. So it's truly humbling when you look at that. Well, I thank you on behalf of, of those people, but also it changes the world when you change that. So thank you for your time for doing that. But I guess, you know, when you look at what's next, 
Um, you know, what do you, what's next for you when you look at how you evolve from here? I mean, it's amazing how quickly an hour goes, but, but I look at, um, you know, just what's next on the horizon if people are looking for, you know, how women's health evolves, what do you think are the, the next phases of where you're seeing it, where you want to go, the kinds of things you want to encourage women to do? I mean, if there's two things that you have found in your practice that we can do every day that will improve our health and well-being as women, you know, what should we be focused on? Um, ourselves. I think a lot of times as women, we focus on everybody else, but ourselves, our kids, our families, our job. Um, I think it's really important to, to focus on yourselves. Let you look at helping others because, you know, in this whole um, culture that's sort of evolving as, you know, social media, and everything, it's kind of important to be true to yourself and, um, you know, kind of take time for yourself, but also not to just think about self, but reach out to a friend, stay connected, because it's been really hard during COVID. And I think that's promoted. It's, it, you know, it, it can go either way. Sometimes people appreciate so much more their friends and the socializing and things like that. But then also people will get afraid to go out and get it, you know, inside. And so, you know, kind of, you know, learn from this time that, that we've had. Um, but it's really important to, to, to really take time for yourself, to take them down time, to really slow things down at times, to take time for a massage. Um, and also because of computers and phones to disconnect, disconnect. If you feel like you haven't gotten outside, get outside, you know, I mean, that's just really, really important, really experience the world. Um, you know, right now it's difficult, <laughs> but, but at least get out, get outside, you know, and, and, um, and, and try and stay connected to people. I think that's really important. And then the last thing, I guess, you know, cause I do want to make sure I leave time because we always have a little burning question round and I haven't done that with you yet. And I want to, <laughs> but, um, you know, when you think about what you just said, because you said disconnect, right? You're a mom, you have a son, you know, you have a husband, you've got a life outside of everything we've talked about today. Um, yes. How do you find that balance, you know, that ability to have the balance to really have your personal life and your professional life? Uh, and, and what advice do you have to people who might feel like they're struggling with that? That you just really, you really have to separate it. You really have to, and especially I think it's even harder now with people working at home and we went through that, you know, in, in our household and it's, you really have to separate it and you really have to value your time and say, this is my family's time and this is me time. And, you know, try and as much as it's, it's to have some meals, they don't have to be all meals where you're sitting together. There are no phones. You're not in front of the TV. And you're just there communicating. Um, if you can play games with each other, it's almost trying to get back to some of the basic things. Interaction, because, you know, especially with your kids, they grow up really so much faster than you think they're, they're, they're going to be. And try and continue to maintain those bonds. It's hard, you know, especially people move away and things like that. But like we still have Sunday dinner all together. And that's what's really important as a family. And, you know, um, before COVID, when we had, um, we, my husband and I used to have date night, you know, we, we kind of, I don't know if we kind of really still have date night, <laughs> order in date night. That's, I don't know. 
it's a little different, but you know, we would have date night or we would um, have game night or something like that, where we would, you know, just do that. We shut off phones at dinner they're off we shut off phone you know not off off because i can never shut off my phone because i'm on call but we you know, they're not there you know we're right. not in them we're not in the phones you when you come home from work you're not in your phone unless it's an emergency or you have to check something or whatever phone is done and put it down unless again it's an emergency and you have to take it um you know then that's understandable but you really have to separate it and you have to value it because you know life is is so short you know, I have to say something that was hilarious is a, a couple of months ago, we, we have friends who all of us kind of quarantined. We all were in the same little community and only saw each other. Oh. We were like our own little village, but all of mm -hmm. us have kids who are either in college or in high school. And of course, there's no separating those kids from their phones, right? Um, <laughs> but we had a we, but we had a board game night. And, yes. And the rule was no one could bring their phones in. And oh my gosh, three families with all their kids at this big, huge table, all playing these board games. And I'm, I'm telling you, the kids were like different people. Yes. And I think we were like different people and the energy and the engagement. And these are kids that normally are like this, not saying anything, you know, right. Um, and, and texting each other next to each other or Snapchatting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and I was just shocked to see, to your point, you know, how everyone came alive mm -hmm. and how fun it was. And right. in fact, they said, when are we going to do that again? You know, and I think it I think it even shocked them how much fun it was to disconnect and actually connect as humans. Right. <laughs> right. So I can just share with you that that's been my goal since that moment for me was it took us leading the effort and role modeling that for them to jump in and not just telling, lecturing them that they should do it. So I think, you know, we have to really role model that by disconnecting ourselves and finding that way to engage. I think that advice is great. Right. And, and communicate. One last thing, it helps them to communicate because in this way, this world that's evolving, we don't want computers to take over us at where people are so much more comfortable now when they don't have to talk to a human being which i think is not a good is not a good way that we're going even though that is how it's going if you can text or you can make an appointment or you can do this without ever talking to a human being everybody loves that <laughs> but we need to you kind of fight that a little bit because it's it's it keeps us apart from each other and communicating each other and communication skills are so important well and i think sensitivity. Um, the reason I say that is, as you know, I have a technology background and I can tell you that even as long ago as 20 years ago, we were doing effect studies that showed, you know, what only talking digitally or only working digitally would do, you know, to how people, to, to people's sensitivity, their empathy. Um, mm -hmm. And what we found is that when you are only dealing with electronic engagement, you lose a lot of your natural, you know, EQ, sorry, your emotional quotient of, of understanding, how is Lisa feeling right now? You know, what am I getting from this dialogue? What am I reading in your body language? What am I hearing in your voice? Right. We have, we have so many cues that we get from facial expressions and tone of voice and all those things. And you lose that acuity to understand those cues if you never exercise them. And that's the one thing I think is that's why I think it's so hard sometimes for people to have 
civil debate or conversations or things mm-hmm. like that, we're not you we we can just shut it down like we don't want to hear right. something we shut it down we turn it off we flip the channel <laughs> exactly know? and that's not the way we're we're normally able to engage and find ways to have resilience and ways to have compromise even um so i think that's that's one of the biggest benefits as we look at it and that's why for me even though i have the technology background i use that to sort of talk about how important it is to use technology to scale the human touch and the human connection versus using technology to scale it out because i right. think that's really you know the biggest growth that we have and i think that's why what you do in your practice that's why i had you on today i feel like you really do understand the best of leveraging technology to move forward and innovate, but also the human connection, which I think you exonify um, in what you do. So I have a couple of burning question rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so one is, what would you tell the 20-year-old Lisa Masterson? <laughs> oh, I guess. Um, I would tell her to, uh, to have fun, to have fun and to not because in in my time you didn't show as much skin as as women do now and i would say show it then because that's the best body are going to ever 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 (laughs) so i would say let it go let it go and don't be afraid to be you i think you know again and during my we're growing up time it, it you know we were we were sort of, you know, told to kind of a cookie cutter, you, you do this, you speak when you're spoken to. And, you know, I, I do embrace more of the be your own individual. You know, if you want to wear, you know, wear whatever you want, do whatever you want, express you and don't, you know, don't be so hindered about this is what's cool or that's the norm. Or I'm worried about how I'm going to look to other people. Do you and 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 just have as much fun as possible and, and interact with just as many people as you can. And, um, cause that was the one thing I, because I was, uh, uh, you know, on the medical school track, I, I couldn't travel like in college that I wanted to you know if I could, even if I told my 20 year old self, if that would work because she still would be interested in medicine. But I would say if you can meet other people, meet people from different countries inside, we have so much to share each other, from each other and learn from each other. And, but I would just say, don't, don't be, you know, confined, just be free and, and have fun. All right. So the question is when you were on the doctors, what was there ever an embarrassing moment that you remember a blooper something that you were like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> No, but it's hard to be a female actually taping daytime television because I'll just remember and it's a little sensitivity here. When you have your monthly time and you're not allowed to leave the stage, <laughs> that can be pretty embarrassing when you're thinking, oh my God, I need to leave now. And, and you're working with three men. Who don't get it. <laughs> no, but you don't even want to like tell them what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Like, and they're looking at you like you have to go to the bathroom now, and they don't realize. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. I love. It. I never thought about that, but that is so true. Okay, what is your skincare routine? You have amazing skin. What is it that you think? What do you do every day to look like you do? Oh my god! Well, you're really, really sweet. But I, as you know, am in love with your products. Absolutely in love with your products, especially being a woman of color. Your products have been the only ones to get rid of my melasma. 
a real uh, yes no I mean t- take a bow for that I was blown away because um I literally you know and I I think I expressed to you before I I did I did laser regularly to get rid of um you know my brown spots my melasma and um and especially during COVID I got you know couldn't do maintenance stuff I got really bad and I did new search I came sought her out and 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 uh and but I still would you know did not even kind of have an inkling of that that effect because I was using like straight you know medical doctors do horrible things we use like <laughs> strongest strengths on ourselves just because we feel like we're oblivious to you know nothing right. can touch us so I was using you know like hydroquinone you know straight and everything and I still don't know the magic that's in your stuff but I'll just never, you know especially one morning when I woke up and I was like what happened I'm so I was so happy too. Oh my God, I was so thrilled because I had started using so much um, concealer uh, to try and hide these things. And then you know when you start feeling like it's another mask, and then it would and then it would also get on all my masks and stuff yeah. like that. It was really becoming a, a thing, and so it really just changed my life. So you have to have a good skin regimen, which Skin Authority is is been wonderful absolutely wonderful especially if you if you deal with um dark spots and just the anti-aging the products i just love them um but uh eating healthy and and exercising which is always it sounds boring and but it is so much because so much of what goes into making your skin cells and it is what you put into your body and um and then the oxygenation through the blood by moving we have to move where our society again is evolving to sitting down and we have to where our bodies are designed to move so that's what's really 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 important so the one thing i'd love to to end up with is one i can't believe that we've had our time go by so quickly i could just talk to you forever but i do <laughs> want too. to say we are doing some video segments and i would love to come to ocean oasis day spa and have our followers actually be able to see the spa and sort of see some of the things there. So maybe we'll do a little video tour. Um, oh, that'd be- we can kind of show, which I would love because we have so many Southern California uh, followers. But last but not least, how, where and how can people connect with you and your practice? They can go either to my medical website, mastersonmd.com or oceanoasisdayspa.com, either one. And it's the same thing. Um, Instagram too is uh, Dr. Lisa Masterson or Ocean Oasis Day Spa um, Instagram and connect with me there. So we're, we're, we're online. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You totally are. Well, first off, thank you so much. I'm, I'm even more impressed because I got to learn more about you today than I knew. And I just love your passion and I love that you're someone to aspire to be like. So thank you so much for that. And for all of you listening, I will be able to have uh, Dr. Masters contact information and everything. You can check it, Fair Skin with Celeste and we'll have everything there to reach her. I definitely will be reaching her. So you guys need to do the same. Until then, as we always say, stay well, stay kind, and we'll see you next time. Take care.